Welcome back to Travolta. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering Paradise City. With special guest, Cole Brown. right now all right okay welcome back folks welcome back folks that's right it's the original logo it's the original music we're back travolting baby oh god checking in with our boy i will never i will never escape from my pain in my prison (laughs) (laughs) i am back in prison it's like okay we're done with john travolta i can get with this fraser get with fraser and now i was listening to our by the way last week you would have heard our now and then episode yes which was a great episode. I was I actually listened to it on my way here. Yeah. It's a good episode. Yeah, we recorded it then, and now we're talking now. Fuck Travolta. You. And now... Now and then it could be our show with now we're talking about Fraser, then we're talking about Travolta, but the timelines intermingle. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Paradise I know, City. I know Brendan <laughs> Fraser is not in this movie, but can I just drop a hot take? Yes. Real quick, yeah. Uh, always uh, just a, just a follow up to what we talked about last time I was on here. Yeah, uh, it is currently November twelfth, twenty twenty two. Yes, the trailer for the whale just dropped. Um, I am no longer super confident that Brendan Fraser is getting a Best Actor nomination. Oh, I think I think secretly of the five, I think he's uh, J Lo in Hustlers. Um, I think of the five like accepted nominees, I think he's actually the one Tom has the best shot of kicking out. Imagine Tom Cruise getting nominated. For it's insane. Top I Gun don't Maverick. think it's going to happen, but I think Fraser is the weakest spot. Wow. First it was, he's definitely not going to win. He'll definitely well, get a nomination. But now he's, so you don't even think he's going to get a nomination. No, 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 no. I still, I, if I, I still think he's in the five, I have just gone from, if Tom knocks somebody out, it's Hugh Jackman, too. If Tom knocks somebody out, it's Brendan Fraser. And part of that is that A24 seems to be abandoning the whale. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's not a good sign. We got, the the we movie get... comes out in three weeks. They just dropped the first poster. It is just a Photoshop of the one publicity <laughs> image they had already released. That's not a good sign. A24 is going all in on everything everywhere all at once and maybe pulling back on the whale. Stuart, you and I have to be the guerrilla marketing campaign for The Whale. And not for people to necessarily see the movie. We just got to get our boy a nomination. Fuck. But, I mean, A24 is known for abandoning in the marketing stages. That's why you. That's why people haven't heard of the movie Spring Breakers. Who hasn't heard of the movie Spring Breakers? Well, correction. A lot of people don't know that that's an A24 film. Because it was the first one. Well... Here's the thing: it was they three started years before the A24 like they cult started of pretty fucking started. early, and they and if you look over the course of A24 movies, the movies you haven't heard of are the ones that they haven't marketed, are the yeah, ones that Spring they Breakers, know are going to be bad movies. But Spring Breakers is not one of those. Spring Breakers was a hit. They they pushed Spring Breakers insane. They came way closer than anyone thinks to getting James Franco a Best Supporting Actor nomination that year. Trust me, I was there. The <laughs> it was A24, in the trenches. 
the A24 cult of personality starts around the time Moonlight makes its Oscar run. And it's like firmly entrenched when Hereditary comes out. That is three to five years after Spring Breakers. Spring Breakers is the third movie they ever put out. First and foremost, the James Franco um, attempt to get himself a nomination for Spring Breakers, where it's just a video of him going, consider this shit. Uh, very funny. Number two, uh, let's stop talking about Brendan Fraser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. I just wanted a brief update. Yeah. No, it, we, I, that was an important update. It's good that we did that. Uh, welcome back to Cole Bradley, by the way, folks. Uh, back from two weeks ago, three weeks ago, <laughs> something like that. In his episode, uh, "Passion of Darkly Noon." Uh, yeah, we're back with uh, John Travolta, and not just John Travolta. We're back with John Travolta and, and Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis. Which, whether it actually is going to be or not, this film is currently being publicized. By not just the media, but also by Bruce Willis himself as Bruce Willis's last movie because of uh, his aphasia. His aphasia. He's he's slated to be in like three more movies, but yeah, like I it's think... nebulous. This they're like they are going in on this one specifically, um, but he does slated to be in. Detective Knight Redemption, Detective Knight Independence, and Die by Lovers still. Which I believe a trailer for Detective Knight Redemption just dropped. Yes. So that one is at least a movie that is locked. All are movies that were filmed previously or after Paradise No, City. these are... This might have been the last one he shot. No, because he shot but... this last May. He shot Detective Knight 2 and 3 um, at the end of last year. Okay. So maybe Saban's yeah. just big dogging. Who knows? They're they're. I mean, every single Bruce Willis movie to come out this year is going to be marketed as Bruce Willis's last movie, yeah. just based on the fact that everyone wants to get a few more a few more listens. Or a few the more thing videos. that I think is really funny, actually, is not that I have not seen them saying that. The line I see them pushing about this movie is that they are trying to sell this like it's heat for Travolta and Willis. <laughs> <laughs> and that Probably. is very confusing so, to me. That is the thing they're pushing as though, like, obviously people care about Pulp Fiction to the degree they care about The Godfather for some reason. Another reason why Gen X needs to die off. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, Pulp Fiction is not a real movie. <laughs> Pulp Fiction is not a real movie and you can't convince me otherwise. I mean, it's uh, Cole Bradley froze. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, his, he said Pulp Fiction was not a real movie, and the hot, the take was too spicy. <laughs> that it, it crashed the connection. The internet. Here, I may have a go. Yeah, yeah. the internet connection. Uh, minimize out of... Uh... He says he can still hear us. <laughs> okay, well, minimize out, of, uh, minimize out of Zoom. Let's cancel all the other programs that are running right now. Oh, is he back? Oh, is it a fully crash? Yeah, fully crash. Okay, hold on a second. Oh, right. it's reconnecting. It's re this is the exciting. Hi. Hi. All right. No, no, no. Jeff, 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 Jeff. Close out of Google Chrome and close out of mess Messenger. Yep, yep, yep. Quit messages and quit Google Chrome. I just making sure it's not running too many things at the same time. I'll cut all this out. I will do the same on my end. Yeah, I'm going to close iTunes and Chrome. Right. Can you Hold maximize on. Zoom, Jeff? Um, 
All right, the last thing we heard you say, Cole, was that Pulp Fiction is not a real movie. And then it, it was the so FBI, spicy. The FBI went for you at that the, point. The first half of Pulp Fiction is a very good movie. Wait, we've had this exact conversation yeah. on this yes, show. Because yeah. you have read my Letterboxd review on this show. Um, yes. Anyway, my, my, my point I'm making is, even given the degree to which people love Pulp Fiction, Yes. Yeah. Minor Tarantino, uh, who is a minor director. So there we go. Um, who is clamoring? People are not clamoring for like Travolta and Willis to be yeah. together on screen again, like they were Pacino and De Niro. They're in two scenes together in Pulp Fiction. And then they are in. And one of them is five seconds long. Yes. One of them is just Willis shooting Travolta. And the weirdest thing about this movie is I'm pretty sure they're never in a shot together in this movie, even though the bloopers revealed that they were, in fact, on set together. <laughs> the biggest twist in this movie is that one of the last things we see is explicit footage confirming that they were on set for at least one of their scenes together. Yeah, there's I like don't the... think they ever share the frame otherwise. There's one wide shot when they're both there on the is. beach, like the, the, okay. like the standoff. Then, the, then, I, then I blanked on that because that's the scene you see in the, scene in the bloopers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like the, and then obviously they did the now look who's talking movies together. Yes. Which um, is not really together because I mean, Will, Bruce hey, Willis Will's is just, in a booth the whole time. Yeah. But like the other, it's just a weird pull that, 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 that is the marketing for this. They're also not really actors of like the same generation. No, they're because... not. Because. Because obviously, not only has Travolta got like a, a decade on Willis, but Willis's star runs like perfectly bookend Travolta's comeback. Yeah. Like when Travolta comes back in the 90s, that's the Willis fallow period. And when Willis comes back with Die Hard 3 and Armageddon and The Sixth Sense at the end, that's when Travolta's stock yeah. starts to drop again whereas Pacino and De Niro are like legitimately contemporaries contemporaries who are going like head to head for 10 straight years yeah. and it's also just a weird thing to say when everyone knows that Bruce Willis is like sick yes and and that there's this whole carny aspect to watching these late period Bruce Willis movies that I found very uncomfortable it's a little unsettling how much you can tell he's like dubbed and cut up in this movie yeah i mean noticeably i don't know if you guys caught this but his um his stunt double in the opening scene is not white i did not catch that i did not catch that either yeah when it when it cuts from his stunt double running to like an actual close-up face of of willis's face the skin tone like gets like six shades lighter uh oh his God. stunt double appears to either have a very thick tan or to be Hispanic or Asian. You, it's hard to tell because yeah. you're like a good look at his face, obviously. Yeah. Or maybe Middle Eastern, but that's my point is that like not only are they hiding Willis and you don't see his face for like a lot the of the first movie. couple minutes of this movie, and then he is he is to his credit and to Russell's credit, he is in this movie more than I thought he was going to be yeah. given his health, and maybe more than he should have been. Yeah, I mean, the movie starts and he gets, he's like, Willis has a few, he has a one-liner, he does a few little things, and then he gets shot. And at that point, I was like, is that it? And he's also, not only is that it, but he, like, 
actual Bruce Willis, not just the character, yeah. but actual Bruce Willis in this opening scene probably has sub 30 seconds of screen time. Yes. And that's being generous. It is so clearly a double for everything but a handful of close facial ups. close close ups that and could have been punched in. I kind of got the vibe that there was some trickery going on with him when it was sustained for more than like five seconds. Like I you, obviously the man's yes. sick, but it kind of looked I don't know if it was like they were CGIing his mouth or if it was just cut up between different takes. But it felt like a little jittery. In the yes, middle of I, I had a similar thought. I'm also wondering, and I don't know if you guys did any research on this film's production. I did a little, but it sat on the shelf for like a year and a half. Well, this is um, a perfect segue into our yeah. And I know, I know they shot some of it in Hawaii. Yes. Uh, because there's a quote from the like Hawaii film commissioner who's like, yeah, they kind of blew through here way faster than most productions do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but... Clearly, I think there's been some reshoots and there is the like Georgia tax credit filming location stuff in the end credits. Yes. So I wonder if how much of this was that just post like a lengthy post session, maybe like digitally inserting Bruce into more of the movie than he was after they said he was sick so they could like take advantage of it. Um, So he's clearly dubbed maybe. Yeah. Uh, Or did they actually reshoot a good chunk of this in the past year and a half? So it very so they definitely shot for only two weeks in Hawaii. Two <laughs> weeks, three weeks, three weeks, three, weeks. three weeks? Two weeks, two weeks of prep, three weeks of shooting. Yes, wow, which is insanely fast. That is for insanely a fast. Lo- like a, a kind of complex location shoot, if you think yes. about it. They shot wow. this, and you can tell. In I'm, I'm just gonna say it now, there and then we'll talk about locations. it later. But for the listener home, this movie ends with a blooper reel during the credits. Yeah. Um, but you can tell during that there's a lot of like, all right, we got 10 minutes to shoot the scene, like people saying that. So yeah. they were really like pew, 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 all day. I mean, there's a lot of scenes where the daylight isn't consistent. Yeah. I mean, the, the you, daylight you in this that? movie is nonsensical. Oh, my God. So many scenes start in like four in the morning blue hour. And then by the time they split apart at the end of their dialogue scene, it's sunset. And it's like, the, uh, the fuck is going on? The movie's one, I think, legitimately good action scene takes place in, like, clearly high noon. And then the next 10 minutes of the movie are people talking about a shootout that happened last night. (laughs) Yeah. Which is like, I don't even mind it. But why are you not even fixing that dialogue in post? Or, like. I don't know. There's there's solutions to all of these problems. Hey, but Cole. And they clearly did, like. Even Becca walked through as I was watching this movie, and first she shook her head, but then she uh, said, "This looks so reshot." Yeah, like she even she could notice from just passing how like this like like it's Willis leaning up against a rock, and there's like clearly just a source light on him instead of the actual yeah. sunset. Yeah, oh my god, and it's very clearly very on a stage. Clearly, hey, but Cole, but Cole, yeah, everything in a movie is intentional. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I had to pull up that passion of dark. No, I, I, bit. I don't disagree with you. <laughs> I'm just baffled by the choices, and also, as we agreed last time, intentionality is meaningless. 
I don't want to. I'm not letting this be relitigated. He's he's putting out the candle, folks. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, Jeff, is there any more context to talk about? This movie got made. That's what I got for you. Well, it's been on the docket for a long time. I remember we were, I was really hoping this was going to come out because they finished filming this last, last June, June of 2021. Three week production at Maui. uh, Which is crazy. Yes. Which I have to assume that the on-shelf thing is heavy reshoots in Georgia. Heavy. I, I don't even know heavy. Just like a lot of these Travolta, uh, late-stage Wilson Travolta ones have weirdly long turnarounds. Long prep or long post? No, like it gets Maybe? finished and then it sits around for a year and a half and then it gets dumped on, on Amazon Prime on like November 12th. That happens for a lot of these movies, I've been noticing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's that's what happened with this one. Is it, they filmed it last year and then it sat around. They probably did some reshoots, or they definitely did some reshoots. I can't find any direct evidence as to like the extent that they did, but you can tell that there's a little bit going on. Mostly just with Bruce Willis. Yeah. Um, well, be- part of me wonders if they in the prep stage they had planned to shoot more with him, but then when it came to the actual execution, that was quickly. Yeah, shut my, down. it's probably hard. But- having bruce on location oh, the other thing about oh the God. other well no first bruce shoots on a location all the time because most of these movies shoot in eastern europe yes um but the line on willis before his family said he was sick was always that it was like he gets paid by the day yeah a million a day yeah that that's the i don't know how literal that is but this idea that like he'll fly in and he'll leave if you pay him and you give him housing housing and like amenities but you have to like work your schedules around him only being there for a tiny portion of the shoot and i don't understand why this one would be the one to not realize that per se that doesn't make sense i wonder if they wanted more bruce in it once he announced his retirement yes that's my theory because there's a weirdly high amount of bruce in this movie and like on when I go on to um, IMDb and I look at the images, there's like a few paparazzi photos of this movie, and they're all from only two scenes. Which two? Every paparazzi photo of this movie involving Bruce is from the first sequence when he's on the beach with all the guys, and then the last sequence when he's on the beach with Travolta. It looks like they actually probably shot them at just beaches next to each other. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And then maybe that was the Bruce day where they had him on location. And then they did all the rest of his pickups in Georgia. He could, I was going to, I was just about to say that Jeff, I can, I cannot fathom like watching this movie and thinking Bruce Willis gave more than like four days of production time. That seems, yeah, but that's high for him. Right, that seems high. Is, is 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 the point? Is the point we're making is that Bruce normally shoots for like two days max on these things. I would bet he does one day in Hawaii. Yeah, one day in Georgia. Yeah. I also wonder if maybe since we're getting into that, if if you do seem to think that the ending was shot, I wonder if maybe the ending was rejiggered. Yeah, because like I... they 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 had a Mexican standoff between Travolta and Willis that was maybe originally planned to open the movie and they reworked it because it's such a weird ending and you can so easily plug in like 
new footage of of Travolta with his kid, which is that's all the stuff that like directly indicates this is the end of the movie is all the footage that's not of Willis in that scene. And that's an easy rework. You get what I'm saying? I wonder if the movie was meant to start with him like capturing Travolta on the beach, going into the gunfight and then dying and then being dead the whole time. This is all speculation. It's all speculation, but it's it's like compelling speculation. Because there's no blooper reel footage of Bruce. Oh, there is a little blooper reel footage of Bruce later. I forgot. Yeah, the, Bruce the on the beach. Talk, he's just, talking about the turtle. Can we just talk about the bloopers for a second? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The, yeah. I, I, I fucking hated the bloopers. They guys. all seem so miserable. <laughs> they, they, okay, yeah, they here's, do. Here's the, the three. The reasons I hated the bloopers are. I, I, not so much that I hate him. I don't get why they're in there. All the Bruce Willis stuff seems like the joke is that in the bloopers, I mean, yeah. that he like does literally doesn't know where he is. Yeah. Which whether or not that's what's actually happening, that's clearly what the implication is. That's horribly uncouth. Then on top of that, you have just Stephen Dorff bitching left and right <laughs> about how much he hates the crew. Um, and just like Chuck Russell seemingly being directed by his actors in like half the things all for what is ultimately one good joke, which is a guy turns around and walks into the camera. Like that's the one good gag in the bloopers and everything else. It just makes it look like the fucking most oppressive exploitative shit show production. Yes. None of it probably aren't fun to shoot. None of it all seem miserable. And at one point Travolta is like, kind of like, all right, can we cut? Can we cut? (laughs) Did did either of you guys see ticket to paradise? No. The, the Clooney uh, Roberts movie. Mm -mm. That movie's only so, so, but it has an incredible blooper reel. In the end credits. Like, it seems like they're having fun making it. It seems like, well, the blooper reel is mostly just Julia Roberts and George Clooney razzing each other. Mm -hmm. Like, like either either making fun of each other after one of them blows a take or, like, really, like, good improv to try to make the extras break. (laughs) And, like, just, like, seeing this, another, you know location is everything kind of cheapo movie with with older movie stars yeah do this like miserable as blooper reel after <laughs> the first good blooper reel i've seen in years just really drove home how unpleasant this yeah. well for paradise city it didn't really feel like a bloopers reel as it really just felt like a uncomfortable behind the scenes documentary <laughs> yeah. of what was going on because you're right. Like, there was a moment where, like, uh, Josh was about to start a take, and then Chuck Russell yells some direction mid take. He's like, Oh, so, so are you just going to talk, talk, middle of the scene? You're going to talk in the middle of the scene? <laughs> you're going to talk over my dialogue? You're, you're going to talk, talk over, over my, my dialogue? dialogue? And I'm just like, That's not funny. That's uncomfortable. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want to see this. <laughs> it's so weird. Oh, it man. is the strangest choice I've seen in a movie in a hot it second. It also comes three minutes into the end credits. <laughs> yeah. It comes after the Times New Roman big fog credits. Oh, my God. Jeff, you haven't seen Wakanda Forever yet, have you? Tomorrow, Tomorrow morning. I've seen there it is a, there's a, a piece of billing in Wakanda Forever <laughs> that's going to make you scream in the theater. I'm very excited. Oh okay, boy. say no more, please. We're both no, I won't. I'm going to text you the second we get up. Also, yeah, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. To both Cole and the audience and the listener at home, 
I would just like to say, if we seem slightly unfocused uh, during this episode, <laughs> no, I, know. I would just like to say, Stuart and I just got out of a screening of RRR. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, One of the best fucking movies the, uh, I have ever seen. I, I woke up this morning at 9 a.m., put Paradise City immediately on. I watched it last night. Watched Paradise oh. City. The bum, movie bum, ended. Bum, I got bum. off my couch, got in my car, drove to the theater, watched RRR with the director in attendance, then drove home, started recording this. <laughs> That's my day. God, I hope to, I hope Variance takes the tour to other cities. I I mean, I've seen it twice. I've been everything I've been reading is that RRR it, it will probably do some more. Yeah, I, I think they're going to roll it out to every major market, which means I'm going to get to see it a third time. Hell yeah. Great uh, movie. It's so good. The best movie. I'm I'm terrified about what his American movie is going to be. Oh, is he, is, did he announce he's making one? Not literally, but he signed with CAA. And okay. he, I, I, I mean, again, I don't mm. literally think there's a project, but he did say he's he's developing another Indian movie right now. And then after that, he's going to think about going overseas. Like he like indicated that it was in the cards was that he was going to come and make something. Oh, in the States. no. But he works really slowly. Yeah. So that's like years out, assuming the demand is still there, which I, mean, I think it will be. We, we got the scoop tonight about what his next India movie might be. Yeah, we, we did. did get that. Uh, that sounds good. It yes. sounds good. RR rules. God, it's so great. Good. I hope it's a great movie. All right, yeah. but I had I just wanted to get that out of the way and also just say that if you haven't yet, you should find an opportunity to see RRR. Jen, uh, so I'm having a much better time talking about the speculative nature of making this movie than I think I am when we actually talk about the plot of this movie. Yeah, the sc- <laughs> I got it's just <laughs> underwhelming, I, man. I, okay, so Cole wait, doesn't wait, even like it. Wait, <laughs> I'm sorry. so Jeff, what are you doing here? What like, are you doing? I kind of like this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't hate this movie by any means. I don't it's hate just, it either, but it's just I the same just nonsense. I was kind of sitting on my couch going <laughs> for all 93 minutes of this and thing. I'm going to say this. I am someone who watches a wealth of direct-to-video action and crime <laughs> Yes. But I largely ignore these like faded star driven red box. Movies. Yes. I just don't. There's just when when the whole trend started, I thought like mm, this might be a fun thing to like know about. And then immediately it was like, there's just too many of them. <laughs> and so I just tapped out like six years ago. I just gave no pretense to, to keeping up with these things. Um, I don't know if I've told there's you this. Thousands of them. Well, I don't know if I told you this, Jeff, but five years ago, me and Mark Tilly, uh, former actually, guest of the show, yeah, actually floated the idea of doing a Bruce Willis podcast. But we pulled the plug on it, and I'm glad we did. Now, holy shit, we just pulled the plug on it because we were like, it's just not going to be entertaining to talk about all the Redbox movies. That was that's half his career. That was when I told Stuart about Travolta. He said, it's not going to be entertaining to talk about all the Redbox movies. And I said, no, yeah, Travolta has not so stopping. many less than Willis does. The, the, the problem with Willis isn't because I, 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 I don't think these movies are in and of themselves worthless. Yeah. Uh, I am a real exploitation movie head. And by that, I mean, I watch every straight to streaming teen movie. Yeah. 
uh, I like the boring parts in Roger Corman movies. Like my, my, my point wasn't that this stuff isn't worth talking about, but with Bruce Willis, it is literally half his career. Yes. And that just seemed uninteresting well, and that's, to delve that's, into when he's only in them for a few minutes. I think but my, my point going back was I've seen enough DTV action movies made on a similar scale to this to know that these things can be fucking kick ass. <laughs> what, what's the best one? The best directed video action movie of all time is Universal Soldier 6. Yes. That's not a hot take. Oh, no. I just, I wanted you to say that so Stuart have you could never, hear it. Stuart, have you never seen Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning? No, but. Stuart, Stuart do you like the cinema of Nicholas Winding Refn? Uh, I wouldn't know. Okay. Stuart, have you seen <laughs> the Lynn Ramsey movie, You Were Never Really Here, where Joaquin Phoenix like plays the vigilante uh why does that movie sound familiar okay Stuart clearly hasn't listeners <laughs> i'm gonna throw this out if you if you if you know about those two things i listen and you wonder what it would be like if they were good uh watch universal soldier day of reckoning who, who directed that movie jeff john, john hyams. hyams oh boy <laughs> john hyams whose new movie looks should, so fucking good should we tell cole Is, no, Cole knows. I told him. I know. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. You I know. know. Uh, Jeff, you know about John, <laughs> John Hyams' next movie, right? Yeah, it's a sick. Is that the one? It's a COVID slasher written by Kevin Williamson. So it's going to be good. Of Scream. It's going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be pretty good. Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning is a fucking masterpiece. If you ever do John Claude Van Damme, that's one of the ones I would be on. No, we had a very we actually got a really good pitch for another series yesterday. That I'll tell you about later. Okay, well we have to talk about that other thing later. Yeah, there's a lot of things we got to talk about. Yeah, one told, of them being you... the fucking movie Paradise City. Hey, wait, but Jeff, Jeff, before we keep going, have you told Stuart yet? No. Okay. <laughs> what? What told me what? <laughs> Can you just tell me on air? Huh? Uh, so won't... Par- Tell me on air. Paradise City. Tell me on. No, no, no. Paradise City. No, 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 no. no. Tell bum, me. Tell me bum, on air. Bum, bum, okay, so. Bum. Tell me on. Do we air. want to go into the plot? Of this tell movie? me on air, Jeff. What is the thing you have to tell me? Okay, so are we going in on the plot, Jeff? Here? Oh come my on. god! What? I'm not gonna stop. I'm not gonna stop. I'm what? not gonna stop. I mean, Cole, the the thing that we're talking about, I can't tell Stuart on air, right? Uh, I believe so. Well, you can. It's up to you. Yeah, you can tell me. I can text you. <laughs> I think we. I might be thinking of something else right now. Why don't you text it to me, Jeff? Okay. Anyway, so Plot, Paradise. Plot of Paradise City. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I'm not gonna bring that up on the podcast. Yeah, it wouldn't text, be good air. Why don't you yeah. text, trust us. text me, Stuart? Trust us. We'll tell you off air. Um, but we never. You're do gonna it. be mad. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay. Do we want to go into the plot? Do we have any other anything else we got to say? No. I, I mean, it'll come up when we go through the plot, I think. Yeah, sure. All right, so Paradise City, a kind of good movie. So we start <laughs> uh, off. Uh, one of the things. Of a movie. So here's the thing. When when I first started this movie, you know, and I felt like a, a revisitation to an old friend, I was like, okay, here we go. I'm about to get reunited with my old buddy, old pal, as good friends as we are or not. Because we left on weird terms with his very last yeah. movie being the fucking fanatic. 
Uh, the I, fanatic most uncomfortable movie ever. I was, I was enjoyed by the familiar opening of the million logos that we get <laughs> at the beginning. I was like, oh yes, we're back at John Travolta land because we have a million opening logos. It it is just nonstop. I, I counted five, oh, including more. one that is just a capital group. <laughs> yeah, it's like Miller Capital or something. Um. Uh, which I assume, which I believe is how a lot of these movies get financed. Yeah, it's 100%. Just normally not in the opening. <laughs> yeah, it's not. All the hedge funds usually don't get logos. Isn't like STX mostly just an outgrowth of the hedge fund or something? Didn't I read that somewhere? I believe so. And now they're like completely collapsing at this point. Yeah, what happened to STX, man? They funded a lot of Democrats in the in the, in the midterms, sure. and apparently that's where they put all God their money. God bless Saban, though. Saban, good company. We stand. Yeah, they released good movies. It was very funny when they put, insisted on calling it Saban's Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever think about that? I think about that I all do, the time. Saban's Power Rangers. Uh, you, know we, what movie, you know what movie fucking rules, by the way? Power Rangers? Saban's Power Rangers. It's so good. One of the best. Was that the one that was like sponsored by Krispy Kreme? It's the one with Elizabeth Banks as the. the it's the guy. one with Elizabeth Banks and Brian Cranston. And Krispy Kreme. Maybe. I don't know. It has know. a lot of Krispy Kreme. Uh, I haven't even seen the movie, but I know it's got a lot of Krispy Kreme um, product placement. Is that movie getting a sequel? No. Did it, it, not, it did not make money, right? Aren't they making... It did not make money, and I think there's some legal issue preventing okay. them. The, the, I think Saban lost the rights. Okay. To Power <laughs> Tra- Rangers. How will, how will we endure? It's a really good. It's a good movie. Uh, so after the million um, opening logos, we open in Hawaii. Yes. And in case you couldn't good tell, island. And in case you couldn't tell by the nature of the landscape, they also supplement with a Hawaii uh, title card. Yes. To tell you we're in Hawaii. I believe they're on Maui. We are right? on Maui for this whole movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, From a, someone who went to Hawaii this past summer. Yeah. I felt oddly in tune with figuring out where this movie was. There's set. a high speed car coming down. Uh, a road and it crashes and no no sir there's not a high speed car coming down a road we are on a beach the camera pulls back we hear the sound of a high speed car and we see the c- camera shake uh, yeah the camera which shakes is, which is a hundred percent one of the coolest things in this movie <laughs> yeah I actually rather like this opening shot yeah and the I camera, like it. it's, and the it's camera interesting shakes, and then it pans over to a, a tree where there's a car crash into it like clearly they couldn't do the stunt with the car crashing into the tree, so they found an interesting yeah. way to just like imply it and then pan to the crashed car. I mean the 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 semi fourth wall break of the camera being affected. Yes, is like a nice. It, it, it's a nice idea because again, if you can't show the stunt, and I would have preferred they showed the stunt, obviously, but the contrast it, as like the 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 camera shake is like a bridge between the serenity of you know the pan across the beach to the chaos of the car crash it is like a little disruption of the flow of the shot yes it's clever and then i like how you assume that it's going to pick the camera is going to stop at the door and pick up with the person getting out of the car bruce Bruce willis Willis. stunt double bruce willis stunt double (laughs) but instead it continues and it just gets really tight on the license plate and the uh the trunk of the car where you just hear and a banging who yeah, we'll find it's, out it's who one is of in the nice moments in this movie. Yes. And then the door opens and we reveal Bruce Willis. Yes. 
It's stunt double. It's stunt double. Well, but then we eventually... Shot from the neck down. But then we eventually get a face reveal of Bruce Willis. Well, we get all the way down like, to the beach. Like think. a minute later, after a lot of neck down shots <laughs> of him dragging someone across a beach. Yes. Uh, he has a prisoner with him, or a little hostage yes. or whoever. In a, in a bag. In a, whose head is covered by a bag, so we don't never get their identity. Uh, gets surrounded by armed g- henchmen, and I'm already writing down, this is already ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> this because, is when I was like, Because he starts shooting at these guys, and they're completely missing him, but he's like hitting a bunch of guys. Yeah, because he's the coolest bat, like, But uh, then he gets shot. <laughs> and then he gets shot and killed? Question and something, something else happens in there, which I think is interesting. It's going to happen again like 10 minutes later, yeah. where... He like gives this spiel about how he has legal authority over the person he's holding. Yes. Because he's a bounty hunter, which Steven Dorf is gonna repeat in the next scene of the movie. And it really feels like something Chuck Russell or whoever wrote this movie read is like a thing bounty hunters like say, <laughs> say. sometimes. By the state of Massachusetts. <laughs> statute i have legal right over yeah, this arrest because the whatever. idea of them being bounty hunters is dropped about 20 minutes into the movie it's so yeah it's it's so pointless uh, yeah it makes no sense and they abandon this idea that they're ever going after the money pretty quickly too yeah because right at the start i'm like oh this is a movie about bounty hunters it's like um you know about the secret underworld of bounty hunters and then immediately it's like no we're just a revenge movie. which again there's like there's 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 hints of a more interesting movie yes here because if you're a white if you're a white guy living in Hawaii working as a bounty hunter you're not catching people running from the mainland to Hawaii because that's not where you'd go yeah so you're really just this like kind of brute force arm of the colonial states yeah just in a way while also quote-unquote working class which is something the movie hints at in the first Stephen dorf scene and i guess near the end of it but again that's what a real movie would want to do and this movie kind of just disappointingly no in drops everything so then willis gets shot and he dies yeah quote unquote but he pulls out his phone and he makes a phone call and he says a very confusing like phrase to his son I can't and even. It's very dubbed. Yeah, he... it's, <laughs> it's very poorly dubbed by someone else doing a Bruce Willis impression. <laughs> so he's just like, I don't, I don't want to make fun of Bruce Willis, who was not healthy when he made this movie, and the whole thing is exploitative. But on the other hand, I think we can acknowledge that and also point out that the really bad dubbing, it's terrible, is, is funny. It sounds ridiculous because it's not him, and that's why it's funny, and that's why I'm comfortable laughing at it. <laughs> We're not laughing at Bruce Willis. We're laughing we're at. We're not laughing at. We're Bruce laughing Willis. at how the filmmakers think they could have gotten away with this. Yes. We're uh, laughing at the movie Paradise City. Right. So I didn't know this was a flash. If this was a flashback or a flash forward, or if this was present day, yeah. it left a little bit confusing because Bruce Willis's body then falls into the ocean and washes away, yeah, and Adele starts singing. Really? Is that this guy? Oh, whatever. Oh, you were doing a James Bond thing. Yeah, because that's the opening of that movie. He falls in the water, and there's the blood trail coming from him. 
But anyway, uh, I, I thought... Been, take me down to the <laughs> <laughs> Which is not in this movie. It's not in the movie. The Paradise City, the, the song, is not in the movie. And Sterl's point out, you know what they spend maybe three minutes in? The Paradise. actual city, Paradise City. <laughs> it's not even a city. It's not even a city. They it's a tribal it clan. <laughs> they burn it It gets down. three minutes of screen time, and most of it's spent in a hut where a dude trips on ayahuasca. <laughs> Stuart. <laughs> Bruce, I, Wait, Stuart. We're going to okay. get to that scene. Stuart, we're going to get to that scene. No, I have to say, I, how could you say all this and then contend this movie's bad? <laughs> is, I won't say it's like it's horrendous. Not interesting. That's the I thing. Mean, can it's we not talk about the actual death knell of this movie? <laughs> yes. What? There's a lot. The actual death knell of this movie isn't the Bruce Willis stuff. And it's not that John Travolta I mean, it is, like is kind of phoning it in. A little bit. And kind of half asleep and also weirdly not in the movie. Um. It, the, the, the death knell of this movie is that after this opening with Bruce Willis, it introduces you to Stephen Dorff as like Moondog from the Beach Bum, but as a Hawaiian <laughs> bounty hunter, giving a really like locked in and engaging like per, perma hungover scumbag performance. He's pretty good. I love Stephen Dorff. Stephen Dorff rules. He's so good. And then after five minutes of Stephen Dorff kind of bumming his way across a beach, the movie does its actual bait and switch, which is that this is not a Stephen Dorff movie. This is Blake Jenner's first post-cancellation <laughs> project. What was he canceled Blake for? Blake Jenner is... I don't know the Blake Jenner story. I will give... Would you like the Blake Jenner story? Yes, Please. I think we need the Blake Jenner story. So I... I I admittedly am someone who bought a lot of stock in Blake Jenner very early. Uh, because Blake Jenner... Jeff, do you know this? I know he was ugly. Oh, no. Blake Jenner won the second season of The Glee Project. The reality show to determine who would be the new cast member of Glee. And then oh he got to be and ugly. He, he got cast, but he's also, he's the real Glee Project success story where the season one winners were on the show and then didn't stick around. He kind of stuck around because he's this incredibly charming, handsome guy um, who had real life chemistry with Melissa Benoist, who he would end up marrying and who was his co-star on that show. And also this is right around the time Corey Monteith dies. And they need a like charming, handsome brunette white guy lead of the show because their guy died. So he's on Glee for like the last three seasons of Glee that nobody cares about. And then he has this run where he's just like, you know, he's one of the brunette white guys that Hollywood's trying to make crack. And he's in Linklater's Everybody Wants Some. And he's incredible and everybody wants some. He's in the edge of 17. He's incredible in The Edge of 17. Holy shit. He's next level good in The Edge of 17. And that's an incredibly difficult performance that he gives. Because he's the sh uh, the boyfriend, right? Am I correct? No, he's he's Haley Steinfeld's older brother. Okay, yes. I got the, the characters mixed up. Yes. Yeah. He's Haley Steinfeld's older brother. He only really gets one scene at the end. But it's a killer scene. Really good actor. Really strong talent. Career, I'm going to say, rightly hits a speed bump in 2019. Uh, and if you look at his IMDb, I believe this is his first movie since American Animals. Yes. Which is him and all the other guys of that generation in a movie together. It's him, Evan Peters, Barry. I didn't know Barry Keegan. Barry Keegan, yeah. 
it's all Crazy. it's all of them and he probably could have been the one to really make it because he's the most conventionally charming of them his career hits a speed bump gonna dance around this a little because he and melissa then always get divorced and then she posts an interview that says hey remember when i said i fell and like broke my eye from falling that was actually blake jenner throwing an iphone at my face so he gets hit with like some pretty serious spousal abuse stuff he kind of taps back and says yes i did it but she was hitting me too I think she denied it. And that, as far as I know, her denying that, that was the end of it. It did not ever seem like he was in any way not a piece of shit about the whole thing. Yes. Um, but aside from that, he is in the cursed Richard Linklater movie that is cursed. Merrily uh, We Roll is, Along. Yes, which Merrily We Roll Along is a Richard Linklater movie that Linklater is going to be shooting over the course of two decades. Yes. That he started shooting with Blake Jenner right before this story broke. So he's kind of pot committed to Blake Jenner being in this thing. Damn. But this is Blake Jenner's post-cancellation comeback. <laughs> and whatever spark and charm this guy had, is he is not showing it in this movie. He kind of comes a little alive in the blooper reel, but he is visibly hammered in almost every scene in this movie. He's checked out. Clock. He is checked out. He is slurring his words, like it's it is just it's the not going well for Mister Jenner. What? It's not going well for Mister Jenner. No, it's and it, it's he's so unengaging it, in this. It is funny how this movie does do a like steps, literal steps of engaging protagonist. Yeah, because you go from Willis to Dorf to Jenner, and by that point you're like, all right. Are we going to get lower? <laughs> we got one else coming. And then like John Travolta steps on screen, but then not for very long. He's he's in a little bit. He's in a little he bit. He comes in for a little bit, a little taste. Yeah. John Travolta pops up and it like immediately singles the most obvious twist of all time. No, what I like is um, Dorf like is like, yeah, everyone's been hunting this guy. Uh, God, what's the fake? Billford. Billford, Terrence Billford, Terrence the, Billford, the Midwest meth head drug lord. Yeah, because he's Travis Buckley, but it's he went through the face off machine. Yes, from Terrence Billford, and it shows this like Seven Eleven security camera footage of Travis Billford going in and killing three cops, and in that moment, and like it looks like Travolta in that, and more importantly. It looks like Travolta in his Life on the, the line, line biker, biker outfit. outfit. <laughs> and that's when I was like, okay, this is going to be, Stuart's going to love that. I Well, it was such uh, grainy 7-Eleven footage. It was a little hard to tell, but yes, I knew right away. I was like, oh, well, that's Travolta. But it's I, not Travolta, I don't think, in that shot. I mean, it's probably a stunt double. It's or just probably, probably like, it's just very obvious that Travolta's going to be like guy. maybe shady billionaire isn't just working with this vanished drug kingpin. He is the vanished drug kingpin. Yeah, because kingpin. Like, we never see the vanished drug uh, kingpin. Also, if we're talking about Travolta Fitz, do we want to cue the music? Oh, are we going to talk about the hair already? We gotta. Wow, this is quick. All right. Let's cue the music. Cue the music.
Welcome to back. Welcome back <laughs> to the Travolta hair rate gig. Oh my God. <laughs> Jeff is flipping it around. Well, it's got to go right with the three to tango because it's the exact same look as this three to tango look. Yes. Bald, gr you know, grizzled beard. I would say it's a little bit longer and it's got more context to it. So put it above three to tango. Stuart. Do you realize you're putting this at number 10? Yes. <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Bullshit. He looks like dog shit in this movie. This uh, is like the ugliest he's ever looked. I disagree. I disagree. All you get is like the neck fat. Well, that's a little harsh. Well. And it's not his hair. I'm, I'm going to be a little harsh if you're going to put this fucker in the top 10. Well, in terms of <laughs> his hair. What's number 11? In terms three to tango. No, yeah, number 11 what's is number 12. Perfect. Never seen perfect. What's the first, what's what's the what's the highest movie it beats that I've seen? Blowout. That's fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm performing a citizen's arrest. <laughs> Jeff, we need to claim control of the list from Steve. <laughs> what if we launch a citizen's coup on the hair ranking? All I'm going to say is, is we went through a long, rough period in Travolta's history where he lost his hair, wasn't going to grow back, and they put these shoddy wigs on him that never were blended in very well. So they always were very obvious wigs. And not only was it bad in the sense that they were obviously wigs, but they were bad wigs. And so the fact that Travolta is, I mean, it's great hair. Yeah, it's good hair. I brought up a picture of Blowout. The blow he looks so good. Okay, I know I insist that Pelham should be number one. And you're but wrong. But Blowout actually should be number one on the hair. No. It's, what it's is his number single one, most iconic look. What is number one? Life Jeff? on the Line biker flashback. <laughs> and then number two is Staying Alive. He has the best... <laughs> He has the best hair in Staying Alive. I mean, I, is Staying Alive is no, the best hair no, of all time. No, no, this is insane. It's the best hair ridiculous. of all time. He has the Rambo <laughs> hair. This is ridiculous. He has better hair in fucking Valley of Violence than in this. <laughs> I thought we were all pretty pro in the Valley of Violence fit. What? Valley of Violence is actually a pretty good fit. Yeah, we liked the, the pepper. It's number 21. Okay, that's sensible. Where's Pelham? <laughs> Uh, Cole, do you actually want to know? I do actually want to know. It's at number 50. <laughs> you desecrate Tony Scott's grave <laughs> when you say that this is better than character. By 40 votes. <laughs> by 40. Think about how much character is oh conveyed. Oh, my God. I am with the, you. I'm with Cole. Fits. I'm with Cole. Yeah, okay. I've never You're even seen Cole, the fanatic, Jack. but I guarantee you he has better hair in the fanatic than this because it's, it's again, well, it's fanatic's lower than Pelham. I think Fnatic is the lowest. Wait, no, Fnatic is at number sixty-seven. He has better hair in Fnatic than this. You are you are not appreciating character conveyance through hairstyling. Well, that's been the damn problem with the show since the beginning. <laughs> a little harsh. <laughs> I like my I, I like my hair ranking. <laughs> I I think it's good. I think it's a great hair ranking. Listen, is the biker flashback a little? A little, a little controversial, yes. No, I think that's funny. That's good. I'm, I'm fine with that. It's, I wouldn't put it in number one. It's number one. <laughs> it's number one. The moment you see John one. Travolta get off that motorcycle and walk towards, I don't know the actor's name in Life on the Line, with his sunglasses, his bandana, and his luscious long brown hair and his fucking thick beard. 
Oh my god, I cream. I don't think pants. I've ever even heard of Life on the Line. You gotta watch it. It's, it's actually it's the, maybe it's his the craziest. best movie he's ever made after. Um, no, it is Pulp maybe Fiction. one. It's like it's his best movies made after one of the Fiction. more unexpectedly wild movies we've covered. It's, David Hackle directed this. It's really great. It's so David Hackle funny. directed Saw Five. It is so funny. I can't even express it to you, Cole. On how I like funny I like David Hackle. I like David Hackle. So, Tell Bailey I love her. <laughs> Jeff, have you seen Saw Five? I have not seen Saw. Did you know that Saw Five is a feature length retcon? I am aware of this. I am aware that the Saw movies increasingly get to the points where the movies exist solely to justify the twist no, of the no. previous movie. Saw 5 is the only one that is that extreme. But do, in a lesser extent, doesn't it happen a lot? Yes, there's a lot of twisting and 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 like retconning and weird twists that need to be justified by the movie time themselves not. But the twist at the end of Saw 4 is so incoherent that the entirety of Saw 5 is justifications for it. So they bring our boy David Hackle in just to figure that out. Well, he PD'd. He PD'd all the Saw movies, I think. Oh. Yeah. Saw Saw always uh, upgraded from within. And they're like Bond in that way. Yeah, he was a production designer and second unit director for those movies. Yeah. David Hackle's It's like good. the guy like who Hackle. was the second unit shooter for Phantom Menace who then went on to do uh, uh, Battle Battlefield Earth. Sure. Speaking of directors, can I just say, can we talk Chuck Russell for a second? Let's, yeah, let's talk let's Chuck talk Russell, Chuck, Chuck the Russell. director of this movie. And I Am Wrath. Yes, and I Am Wrath. We talked about him before. I want you to know that we're already an hour in this movie, and we've not gotten past like <laughs> Wait, the five minutes. Okay. You said it before we even started recording, Cole Bradley, that you did not want to do a three-hour episode. <laughs> Okay, I'm my, holding no, my, you to my, that. My 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 kind of like scoffing at you saying that was more at the implication that we had a wealth of material to talk about. <laughs> 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 okay, go on. Because I can tell you this: I have about two other things I want to say about this movie. Okay, say what you want to say about Chuck Russell. <laughs> well, so Chuck Russell. So if I said the Chuck Russell thing on mic or only ever off mic. You've said it on mic, but elaborate. Okay, I'll elaborate on this. I am constantly fascinated by Chuck Russell's career because I think Chuck Russell has made the best first two movies of maybe any director ever. And the rest of his career does not bear fruit. <laughs> yes. Is the thing. So let me just run down Chuck Russell. And I'm sorry if you guys talked about this on I Am Rath. No, we we talked about it briefly. Okay. Chuck Russell's first movie is, uh, I believe he might even be a dollar baby. Chuck Russell's first movie is Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Yes. Which is a huge hit. Uh, and is the movie that kind of gets the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise back on its feet. Because Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is kind of a flop. Yes, uh, that is movie, obviously a beloved movie now, uh, but it was not then. And Nightmare on Elm Street three is the movie that kind of sets the pace for the franchise as big effects showcase, kind of like fun and zippy. Freddy's making jokes left and yeah. right. The mythology starts getting its ground seated. Like that is like the saw two of the. The Friday the 13th. It's the one, the that, it's the one that makes Freddy funny. Yeah, it's the one that makes Freddy funny. It's so good. It's so 
scary and tense and weird. And it's an incredible effect showcase, which is a uh, like put a pin in that is that that is really the movie that sets up that like for better or for worse, you go see a Freddy movie. You're going to see some insane prosthetics and stop motion work and just like going above and beyond. Yes. His next movie is the fucking blob, which you want to talk. Have you guys seen the blob? I have actually not seen the blob. I've not seen seen this blob. Okay. The first blob is whatever. It's a dumb fifties monster movie. I don't have a whole lot of love for fifties monster movies. Sorry if I'm bragging on it. I think it might literally be 1960, whatever. Uh, Chuck Russell's blob is like as good as the thing in the fly. It might be better than the thing in the fly. Uh, It's next level. One of the best horror movies of the 80s. One of the best movies of the 80s period. And again, it is just a mind bogglingly complicated effect showcase because of how much of it is basically stop motion effects with a with a gel. Yes. And this like goop creeping around and eating people and dissolving people and shifting from maybe a real thing to a puppet to maybe a suit. And sometimes like that's, that's the sort of movie that kind of gets you set for life that you can take on this kind of corny premise and make it legitimately scary and legitimately gory. Cause that movie is fucking terrifying. I've seen it in a theater. It plays like gangbusters. And again, that the effects are so complicated in that movie. Yeah, that shows a mastery he, of the craft. He then takes six years off because he's working on the mask. Which like he, the, the fact that there's a six-year gap in his career is because he is trying to develop the CGI for the mask. That is my understanding. And he gets it over the finish line. He gets it over the finish line. That movie's a massive hit, obviously because of Carrie, but that's also quietly up there with Terminator 2 in terms of, like, the big early CGI showcases. Yeah. Like, the, the, what that movie does, I don't really like that movie, but what that movie does is truly groundbreaking. Here's my question after having outlined those as his first three movies. Why the fuck didn't he become James Cameron? He tries, to I, be, he tries because his next movie is with Schwarzenegger. Yeah, but but it's but that's the thing. His next movie is Eraser. That's a work for hire job. It's not an exciting. That's like one of the last Arnie movies. That's Arnie on the way out. That's Arnie like trying to claim to relevancy, and all of a sudden Chuck Russell has gone from the like standard bearer of crazy American effects blockbusters to like an anonymous work for hire guy, and he spends the rest of his career in that mode. And it baffles me. And he never gives interviews, so I can't figure out what it is. Just three big things, and then I'm going to run the rest of it down. Yeah. He does Eraser, yep. Bless the Child, which is a Kim Bassinger horror movie. Which is just a, a cheapo summer, you know, programmer. The 2002 The Scorpion King movie. Which is good. Bold. That's my thing. Like, that movie kind of comes alive. It's incredibly well-directed. Um, he outdoes Summer's. In some of like the action scenes, that movie truly. The problem with it is Dwayne has not figured out how to act yet. He is dire in that movie. He's dire in it. It's a good movie though. But like, okay, we'll get to what he does next. But why didn't he make the rundown? Why did Peter Berg make the rundown? I could not like, tell you. I even, can. I could not tell you. Even by the standards of clearly, whatever potential of Chuck Russell being a major director is gone at this point. Something happened after the mask. Maybe he's an asshole. He's re- he's 
he came up with Frank Darabont and Frank Darabont is famously unpleasant and nobody likes to work with him. And that's why Frank Darabont's career is dead. Chuck Russell doesn't seem that endearing in the blooper reel. Sure. He also never does press. Mm -hmm. That's part of the mystery. But even if he's not going to be a major A-list director. Yeah. Why isn't he the top-level mid-guy? Why isn't he Peter Burke? Why is he doing shit like... Because if you discount an episode of Fringe... Yes. In 2010, he does not do anything between The Scorpion King and I Am Wrath. And he comes in for I Am Wrath after Bill Friedkin quits. Yes. He's like a last-second replacement. That's the weirdest part about it. Now, the weird thing about him is he's made three movies and is working on a fourth movie since coming out of hiatus. Two of them are DTV Travolta movies. Yes. Jeff, you know what the other two are? They're Indian films. He's the only American director to make Bollywood movies. Hmm. <laughs> he goes over to India. He made one, and he's working on one now. Are they? These good? aren't movies that are like, like, there was that movie Don Gall that was Disney opened the studio in India and made a Bollywood movie, and it's the biggest movie in Indian history. That's not this. Like, Chuck Russell is not doing this as some sort of, like, big studio cross-promotion thing. Chuck Russell just goes over to India and makes Bollywood movies. So this is what it looks like. Is it good? Jung Lee. I haven't seen it. It sounds interesting. But it's just such a bizarre career. And I came to this movie with an open mind being like, well, he, 30, 40 years ago, he was an incredible director. Does he still have it in him? He's totally asleep for all this movie we've talked about how it's like a reshot weird mess there's one scene where it comes alive and that's the big hotel shootout. yeah the hotel shootout's pretty good it's kind the of hotel fun. Shootout has the only squib in this movie and it's an incredible squib <laughs> which that is a very big compliment cole oh it's such a fucking good squib holy shit when they shoot the maid okay yes okay so yes for, for most of this movie, whenever it's people get shot, shoot. it's it's CGI blood. And I am by no means, like, especially after what happened on the Rust set, um, I am, I am totally on board with the idea that CGI muzzle flashes and CGI squibs, the, the degree to which they are safer outweighs the degree to which they are artistically worse. Yeah. That being said, it is extremely nice to see a real squib go off in this movie. And not just a real squib, but like clearly him knowing that this was the one he could do. And it's a woman gets shot by a sniper and gets blown out of the room on a wire, <laughs> shot in two different setups, which is the insane thing. It seems like all the effort into the movie went into this one stunt. <laughs> That leads to, I think, a pretty good and engaging, like, fist fight and shootout in a hotel room when some goons come for Jenner and Dorf that ends with, like, a real free dive stunt. Yeah, and there's, like, a real choreographed fight in there. It's an electric battle, I wrote in my notes, because... He has, like, a weird Jenner has, like, a taser, and then Dorf grabs a lamp, smashes the light bulb, and just starts stabbing guys with it. I'm not saying it's like the best fight scene I've seen in forever, but it's clearly like a step above everything else in this movie. You know what I like um, in this movie? That every time there's a shootout, 
it always happens to happen near where Travolta's throwing a party. And every time it cuts to like Travolta being like, hey, welcome to my... There's <laughs> like explosions and gunshots going off. He's like, folks, we all got to leave, but remember to vote for John Connie. See, like that's that's what I'm saying. Like there's that. There's the car crash we talked about at the beginning. There's a pretty nice like gore dummy when they find Bruce Willis's dead body. Yes. Like that there we are, learned like, they had to nail to the... Like, uh... What what feels to me like Chuck Russell Schlockmeister waking up and having a little fun and doing like, in many ways, like what would be stuff you would expect to see in like a 90s action program. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the movie is so inert. Stewart does not seem like he's buying what I'm putting on the table. No, here. I, 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 the hotel scene, I definitely think stood out to a minor degree above most of the movie. Come on, you got a stunt man jumping off a high thing and falling into a body of water. Yeah. It's a real stunt. Maybe I'm Yeah, it maybe, definitely looks like a real stunt. Maybe I'm They shoot it from a bunch but... of different setups too. Like Yeah. Like, come on. It's I'm, just I'm, it's I'm just saying, nice to see. Yeah, it's absolutely a level above the rest of the movie. I'll give you that one. That's uh-huh. about all I wanted to say about this movie. Is I just like this this action scene. Yeah. And then every other action scene is an incredibly dire, terribly choreographed shootout. With maybe like some hand-to-hand combat that just looks like dog shit. It's all very shaky, Cam. Yeah. But the the basic plot structure, I'm just going to, I'm going to go through the plot. And that feels like the, that feels like the path we must take. Sure. <laughs> it's for me to just <laughs> summarize the plot. An hour. <laughs> it's for me to summarize the plot. an hour and 15 minutes into this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> for us to get at, that's the path we must take is, so listeners i promise we'll break three hours on killer of the flower moon that episode has to be lo- double the length of that movie so six uh <laughs> you salute <laughs> so basically travolta or willis dies quote unquote uh his steven dorf is his former partner robbie that's his name right robbie yeah good performance He's pretty good in this. I'm just gonna keep reiterating that. Like, uh, and then you know, I had the thought that, like, oh, except this that he's feels barely like in the fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's barely in the fucking movie, but it does feel like a glimpse of like, oh, this should be Steven Dorff's network procedural. Was the thought I had? Like, I was kind of engaged with him as the lead, and then he immediately gets kidnapped. Yeah, and then he gets kidnapped by the bad guys who are yeah, vaguely so, so Dorff. <laughs> Racist. It's a racist <laughs> idea. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> all these Hawaiian no. thugs are running around, like, imperiling the nice white people. No, that that's entirely as the Travolta, like, it's Travolta and, like, a bunch of Hawaiian thugs. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to take all the land. I'm going to turn it into a... A big mine? casino. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to sell drugs in the... the... He's, he's Bo Bridges of the Descendants. I like that Tra- Travolta's like villainous. I'm already stopped talking about the plot. Travolta's whole yeah, villainous scheme. <laughs> Travolta's whole villainous scheme in this movie is that he's gonna rig the Senate election of Hawaii, get his guy elected senator, so that he can approve bulldozing, so that he can mine oil on Maui. No, 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 no. and to then make Maui. The like international like drug <laughs> yes. transportation market. Yes. To which I ask, 
To where, John Travolta? <laughs> where is it going? Are you running drugs between California and Japan? <laughs> like, what? what is the value of... If, if you're a cartel guy, which is what Travolta was revealed to be, posing as a businessman, what is the value of Hawaii as <laughs> a drug, like, transit space? <sighs> I wonder if they wrote this movie and it was set in the Caribbean. That would make sense. There's, a lot of this movie makes more sense if it's not set in Hawaii. <laughs> if it's set in, like, Puerto Rico or something. Because, like, yeah, if you're trying, they're like, we're trying to reach the Asian markets. I think they said that I'm like... I feel like that's already like a pipeline that exists. Yeah, Europe's right fucking there. <laughs> <laughs> Afghanistan is right fucking there. Like I don't I don't get it. Sell cocaine to the Japanese, John DeVolta. It would be a little funny to see his plan uh lay out and Travolta like just now owns all this like drug property on Maui and nobody's buying and the US senses the military and take it back. You know what's really. But again, you know I, I'm always in the tank for like, uh, oh, the villain's big plan involves esoteric political backroom dealing. Yes. Like, that sort of thing is always really fun if you dig into it. This movie doesn't. I think we see the senator once on screen, like once present. On a, in a yes. space, and then he once gives like a, he gives like a victory speech at the end of the movie yeah. when he because he wins, <laughs> which makes again no fucking sense because <laughs> it's not like killing John Travolta, or arresting him is going to take everything down if it's that entrenched. The senator won. This does feel like a mid-level Jack Reacher novel at some points. No, it's a, it's a mid-level Jack Reacher novel that got they decided what if we put John Travolta yeah. in it and see what happens. Yeah, because that's a Jack Reacher villain plot right there is I'm going to rig the Senate election for Hawaii <laughs> so I can control the Pan-Asian drug trade. <laughs> I, I love you, Lee Child. I hope you're happy in retirement. Is he not writing anymore? After... No, he... he's co-writing them with his brother right now, but with the explicit plan that like after this next book or the one that comes out next year, it's going to be a clean transition. Okay. He's 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 out. He's just managing the transition, and it is his brother. How old is Jack Reacher at this point? Jack Reacher is pushing sixty at this point okay. because those books Holy do explicitly shit. take place in real time. Jack Reacher musters out in ninety seven, I think, is the canon. I hope time they setting. continue to Jack Reacher getting like eighty years old and still. Well, they, the the, the last couple Jack Reacher books, I haven't read the one that just came out or the one that came out last year, but the few before that definitely had the sense of like. Oh, he's maybe getting too old for this shit. Um, Danny Glover style. Okay. I, I got the plot back up. All right. <laughs> so. Stuart looks so bored. <laughs> Stuart, Stuart was. Stuart looks the most. Stuart is just on his phone. <laughs> Stuart was so angry that we had to go back to Travolta. He tried to get out of this. Why did I try to get out of this? You tried bum, to be like, bum, uh, maybe, Stuart said the words, bum. maybe we don't have to cover any new movies from it. Why did I say that? You said this two weeks ago to me. I don't remember that. Yeah, but when he gets his, his next Oscar nomination in six years, you're going to be glad you did. Who? Travolta? Travolta. Uh, get get a dream. <laughs> get a dream. Like he's got another comeback in get him. Get a fucking dream. No, he doesn't. He's never. We've talked this, about this I don't, show. We don't, we don't need to rehash. We started this show. We don't need to rehash. I, almost this. two years ago, 
with the idea of like, you know, we're gonna really rooting for this guy. And Esther's like, <laughs> fuck him, I hope he drops dead. Uh John Travolta has a better chance of having a real career in five years than Brendan Fraser does. Fuck you. Fuck you, Cole. Sorry. No, that's not true at all. Because okay. if that is true, then the the movie industry really is broken. This is really a broken industry, if that's honestly true. Charles a kind of good actor. Um, uh, so, he's good. He's good in this. He's good in this. He is. I think. I think I've settled on he's good in this. He is. He might be playing a Mexican. I can't decide. <laughs> I think he is. No, but here's the thing. Like He's doing a bit of an accent. He's doing a I Robert know. Downey Jr. on All-Star Weekend. Listen, I know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Show us All-Star Weekend, you cowards. The people <laughs> demand it. Stuart, are you aware of All-Star Weekend? No. Should the we... movie The Man Won't Let You See. <laughs> so it's... Jamie... All-Star Weekend was shot in 2017. <laughs> Jeff, you can take it from here. In 2017, Jamie Foxx directed a basketball comedy called All Star Weekend, uh, starring Stuart. This is the the, the cast of this movie: uh-huh. Jamie Foxx as Malik, a tow truck driver who's also a basketball fanatic. He also played Jamie Foxx also playing two other roles: a white racist cop and Cleveland A. Smith, a fictional twin brother of the real life sports television personality Stephen A. Smith. Which, just to cut in for a second. Jamie Foxx has gone on the record as saying that he thinks nothing that is about to be said about this movie is problematic <laughs> and they should let you release it because he's playing a white guy in this movie. Okay. So that's Jamie Foxx's logic, which I kind of can't fault. Here's the rest of the cast. Jeremy Piven as Danny. Eva Longoria as Asia. Gerard Butler as a Russian. Ken Jong undefined. Benicio Del Toro as Dr. Phil. And then Robert Downey Jr. as a Mexican. In scare quotes, in scare quotes. <laughs> as a Mexican. <laughs> You've seen the photo, right? I have seen the photo. <laughs> it's like I'm bringing it up for Stuart right now. Is he trying they, to pull another Tropic Thunder? Yes, he is. He 100% is, and they will not let it be released. And he has basically said, he gave an interview like a few months ago where he was like, yeah, they're just not releasing it unless I cut the Bob Downey stuff. Out. Oh, my God. <laughs> picture. Oh, my God. Get that heinous thing out of my sight. Oh, my God. In what universe was that going to be this okay? This movie was filmed five years ago. In what fucking universe is that okay? Uh Anyway, much Jamie like- Foxx's career is so disappointing because he made that and now he's doing fucking gambling ads. It's such a bummer. He's a real movie star. We he- should be treating him better. He should be in House Party. He shouldn't be the third ranked villain in Spider-Man <laughs> 17. He's so bad at that. He's kind of good in Day Shift, though. I have not seen Day Shift. It's not very good except for the one scene where Scott Atkins shows up and it becomes a Scott Atkins movie. I mean, that's always what you want. Yeah. Okay. There's nothing to fucking say about Paradise City. <laughs> <laughs> I think we cut. Like, what is there to say? All right. I'm going to do this in. Can we get a timer? Can we get a timer? Yes. Give me one it. second. Who wants to time me? I got it. I got it. I got it. What, what do you want me to time it to? An um, hour, a minute? Give minutes? me 60 seconds. Don't start it yet. I'm going to see right. if I can summarize this plot from where I left off. Yeah, let me know when. So I left off with. Um, wait, 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 wait. He even okay. Dorf showing up. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was five Steven minutes. Dorf okay, showing up. Let's go. Ready? 
and start. So Blake Jenner's playing Ryan Swan, who's a son of Bruce Willis's Ian Swan. He teams up with Steven Dorff's character, Robbie. They decide they're going to find uh, the guy who killed Ian Swan, Bruce Willis. Uh, so they go to this hotel. They get in a big shootout. Steven Dorff gets captured. Um, this leads both of them. Oh, Ryan Swan also gets uh, caught by the police. This leads him to John Travolta playing a guy named Buckley, um, who's like the big CEO of the island, the big rich billionaire. Uh, crime lord so he teams uh he offers the money to go away and stop investigating him they decide they're going to continue to investigate him uh ryan swan teams up with a woman named savannah who works at a strip club but is also a cop and also is from paradise city which is a village in the middle of the island so they go to this island uh ryan swan trips on ayahuasca they uh reveal that ian swan is still alive they go back they invade travolta's hotel they Seven, uh, get Travolta. Six, they almost five, kill him. Ian Swan four, gets shot. Three, Travolta gets captured two, at the end. One. Do you guys know who Andy Sedaris was? Yes. This was the other thing. I You do, Jeff. I yes. don't. I, I do not. <laughs> Andy Sedaris um, is like weirdly one of like the pioneering figures in how live football games are shot. Um, like that's his real legacy. But his other legacy is that in the 80s and 90s, Andy Sedaris kind of hung out in Hawaii and made a series of vaguely connected movies in which Playboy Playmates and Penthouse, Playboy Bunnies and Penthouse Playmates or whatever it is, um, Penthouse Pets, sorry, uh, played like bikini clad CIA agents fighting drug trafficking in Hawaii and occasionally Florida. Um, And these movies are incredibly fun, but also just incredibly silly, full of completely ludicrous action, wacky effects, any excuse in the world to get people to take their clothes off. Yeah. Um, Weirdly bisexual and how they like ogle men as much as they ogle women, which is kind of the charm of them. They're, they're very like wholesome in the fact that they're sleazy. Um, but when this movie reveals to itself that the linchpin of the plot is a strip club where all the corrupt people go, that is actually an intelligence gathering operation for a Hawaiian nationalist movement. <laughs> I was like, Oh, this is a bad Andy Sedaris movie. And what it's lacking that Andy Sedaris has is like, like not to be sleazy, but like if you're going to go into the strip club, why is it a clothed strip club? Yeah, everyone, there's never any nudity. Like in this, this movie is like, I mean, I guess it's the times these days, but this movie is like hinting at tastelessness and never in committing both, to in it. both the violence and in the like the like eye candy of it all that it's it's not willing to like cash in on, and that's maybe part of the reason why it feels so vapid. Yes. Is that it, it should be like softcore in a way, and it's not. Because there's like, it's a big part where it's like, all right, girls, let's go find out uh, what we can. And all these strippers walk out. And then we cut to Blake Jenner outside of the club, and one of them comes out and is like, yeah, here's what we found out. Yeah, you want to see the strippers get into a shootout. Yeah, you want to see, stri- see strippers just ask the people questions. You yeah, want to see like, them get like, the information. Like like I said, there's just like all these opportunities for this movie to have more levity or more intellect, and it doesn't want to do either. Probably because Chuck Russell sounds like he's completely bored. <laughs> he wants to go home. He wants to get his guaranteed ten and go home. Uh, I wrote some random quotes from Travolta in my notebook that we just simply have to acknowledge. 
Um, at w- one point, Bruce Willis introduces himself as "My name is Swan, like the bird." Yeah, I wrote that down too. <laughs> <laughs> There's another part where uh, Travolta's trying to convince uh, Blake Jenner to leave the island, and he's like, uh, "Here." Hawaiian Airlines has a, a midnight flight that might give you a complimentary pineapple or coconut or whatever they got these days. A perfect opportunity for a Royale with cheese joke. No, we've already covered that. No, one. that would be happy. But okay, I, I'm just going to ping pong here again. Again, maybe I don't know that John Travolta is good in this movie. He's pretty good. But he's having a lot of fun. He is having he, fun. He is taking the opportunity to like say lines in weird cadences and maybe do a Mexican accent. <laughs> maybe play a quote Mexican. Uh, can I talk about my favorite part of this movie? Yes. It's when um, the, the, uh, the girl Savannah is just like, you know, there was one elder leader who went against uh, Buckley and then he disappeared. And then it just cuts. And we just see yes! <laughs> that's that's the Andy Sidarius moment of this movie. And we see Truly. this poorly green screened got Hawaiian guy falling into a volcano. He's just like, oh, and then it does an upward cut to Travolta, clearly in a tourist helicopter, just looking down ominously. I, I legitimately love it. I think it's, it's a good it's shot. So much fun. It's a good shot. And it's it's the movie I wish this was. That's the movie I wish this was is either a smart crime thriller or something extremely campy. Yes. Can I tell you my favorite part about this yeah, movie? Yeah, when it ended? Well, <laughs> no. My favorite part of this movie is when Ryan and Jerry is the name of that female cop. It's Savannah. It's Jerry. It's Savannah. I thought it was Jerry. Jerry is the stripper leader. No, Nikki is the stripper Nikki. leader. Oh, is it? Speaking of, do you know what else she's in? Because I was like, I feel like I've recognized you from something. I looked her up. She's in the comeback trail. The other movie Hollywood won't let you see. <laughs> do you know the comeback trail? Yes, Jeff? I do. Yes. I saw the trailer for that so many times back in the day. You're talking about the Amber Abara character, right? Yeah. That's credited as uh, Jerry. Yeah, but the, the main cop character is Priya Ludenberg as Savannah. Who is a Thai model, and this is her first American movie. Okay, never mind then. So then Savannah, she is not Savannah and uh, Ryan, um, uh, Blake Jenner. They the, one of the things is they got we got to look for clues, and it's like, well, we got to go to the the site where my father was killed. So, <laughs> so what do they do? They take a speedboat and get in bathing suits. They get in bathing suits. And, but here, what's the problem with this, Jeff? Because of the fucking beginning of the movie, we know that it's accessible by car. <laughs> but they took a boat there, which for I presumably the only reason they do that is so, so they we can, can get the bathing shoot so shot. we can get the bathing suit shots. But it doesn't end there because then Savannah brings out a fucking metal detector and says, "Quote: It's an underwater metal detector you could buy for nineteen ninety nine at Amazon." <laughs> <laughs> and she finds this fucking phone. <laughs> With all the incriminating information on John Travolta, which Uh, they figure out when they're with Bruce Willis, and they say, I lost all the evidence, but I had a backup of my phone. And then right on cue, Blake Titter says, you mean this phone? See, that's why this movie's good. (laughs) Wait, what did he say? 
Uh, Cole had to step away for a quick second. Okay, okay. Uh, <sighs> I mean, yeah, there's that. Um, some other lines I just simply want to uh, acknowledge here is uh, I Travolta at one point talks about how it's hard to be a white guy on Hawaii <laughs> and says, I could raise a mountain out of the sea and still be called a tourist. Um, or my personal favorite line, the only thing I'm scared of is me and I am me. So I have nothing to be afraid of. Imagine some guy just comes up to you and says that shit. I, I, I can. I can imagine Travolta saying something like that. Uh, what else? Oh, did Travolta I have? goes through the fucking face-off machine in this movie. He does. He gets a plastic surgery. We, it, that, it's so funny when they show that picture of like him mid-surgery because it's very clearly just one picture spliced in the middle with another picture of him. One of my other favorite things is uh, they talk about Paradise City. Yes. And we don't get a lot of... Um, bum, bum, <laughs> bum, 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 bum. We don't get a lot of um, context into what Paradise City is, but presumably it's like, is it a nightclub? Is it a bar? Is it a local neighborhood? And then it's like, we're going to go to Paradise City. So they drive to this road and then they park their truck and they start hiking in the fucking wilderness. And it's like, where is this place? And they go into the woods. The dude takes a fucking leak and then he gets like blow darted by these natives. And the next thing you know, he's in a hut taking ayahuasca. Where he hallucinates Bruce Willis, but is actually Bruce Willis who's there. I this fucking movie can't you know what is a good character bit in this movie what every time we meet travolta he's complaining about how he hasn't gotten enough sleep the night before because of all his business (laughs) that's the only real justification for them insisting that the uh gunfight in the hotel took place at night yeah because he's like he has an espresso he's like you know i have a double shot because i did not sleep at an inch last night (laughs) and then every time he talks he does it for all three of like the main lead characters Every time he interacts with one of them, he's like, you know, a sleep is very important, and I have not gotten any. <laughs> That's a good bit. Do you guys remember uh, Koa? <laughs> Poor Do guy. You know who Koa Poor guy. Is Cole? <laughs> So the Cole is the kid at the beginning of the movie. That, oh, that kid! That <laughs> Robbie Cole. He gets shot at the end of the movie. Was at an MMA fight. He skipped he gets- bail, <laughs> ran from the cops, randomly shows up at the fucking last scene of the movie where they're at the Golden Throne, which is Buckley, John Travolta's fortress or whatever. And he decides he's eagerly waiting to join the good guy's side. But five minutes after he does that, he gets shot. Shot and killed. <laughs> he gets he gets shot like the background. It's yeah. like it's like Ryan and or it's like a uh, God what's it Blake Jenner and because <laughs> a bullet misses Blake Jenner just hits Cole in the background of the shot. We just never acknowledge that he dropped it, except for at the end when they have the memorial for Bruce Willis. The old the old uh, woman's just like. We mourn our brothers who passed away, Ian Swan and Koa. <laughs> Bruce Willis, who dies off screen, incidentally. <laughs> it's very strange. He gets shot. And then and then he's like, go after Travolta. Oh. And then Blake Jenner goes after Travolta. And then, like, he gets shot. 
30 seconds later, it's now the middle of the night, and they're like, we're sorry about your loss. And Travolta's been treading water ever since. For 13 hours. I wrote a note about this because this is very strange. He shoots the gas tank on Travolta's boat. There's a little explosion. explosion. Take the Good shot. Expo- Travolta jumps Take off. Take the shot, right? The sun is still in the sky. It's setting, yeah. but it's still there. We then cut to, like you said, pitch black. I was like, sorry about your father. And then we cut to the water. He's just now making it to shore. He's been swimming for so many hours. It's like, world's worst swimmer. He's like, he finally got to shore, and he's finally just now getting arrested. He's like, guys, I was going in the wrong direction. <laughs> Well, they couldn't have put in rescue divers to fucking pick, get him out and then arrest him. They had to wait all fucking three hours for him to swim up to shore. Oh, okay. Can Why I, don't you get his fucking floaties? Can I bring up another thing I really like in this? Is it John Travolta's incredibly annoying son, who I'm pretty sure exists only in the reshoots? Yes. No, okay. but it's the... um. So, Paradise City gets attacked by Travolta's goons and burnt down. Yes. The next scene, Savannah is from Paradise City. Like she, that is, those are her family, her people. Um, Blake Jenner looks at a TV and then runs over to Willis and Savannah and sits down and says, guys, shit just got deeper. And then he points (laughs) at the TV and it's like her entire family being burnt alive. And then you have what like maybe could be a nice moment where the Hawaiian bartender gives like a toast to the memory yeah. of you know the Hawaiian nationalist the ninth tribe but then it's echoed by all the fucking tourists in the bar <laughs> <laughs> see this is why this movie's kind of and then no! <laughs> and then at the very end you see that that Ryan who um got the bounty for Billford gave it away to the tribe to rebuild Paradise City. And then he's with Savannah and he says, "Well, I hope after this we can all stay friends." And she says, "That would be very boring." And then they make out for why? Because well, the movie's over. So fuck you. That's why. Like <laughs> And that's the end. And that's the end. Until the fucking blooper reels. Oh my yeah, not god. A good movie. The blue Jeff, how much money did it make yesterday? <laughs> you know, let's find out. I'm going oh, to the numbers. Yeah. We love the numbers. The show is brought to you by the numbers. No numbers.com. Paradise City. No, not Paradise City Production Company. It says on IMDb the budget is estimated to be twenty million dollars. That is way more money than I think this It movie is has. not they have not reported grosses. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything. Either they have not reported grosses or it made less than Christian baseball movie running up the bases, which made $1,000 yesterday. Good to know. I mean, I think it's worth pointing out that in the history of Travolting Podcasts, this is the most recent movie that we are covering post-release. Yes, this movie came out Very astute. yesterday as of our recording. And then we are uh, talked, and then it'll be airing one week after its release. I'm very annoyed that I couldn't go see it in whatever theaters they're playing. In. I'm, I'm looking; it is available in one theater in the Chicagoland area. Which one? Cinema Chatham. I've never heard. I've of never that. heard of Cinema that. Cinema Chatham, powered by Imagine. 
It's a movie. Where is it? Uh, it's in the deep south side next to a Walmart. Skokie? Well, that'd be why I haven't heard of it, because I never go down south. It's in the deep south side next to a Jewel Osco and a Walmart. Uh, fitting. <laughs> Ew, Fableman's only made $60,000 yesterday. Oh, it's a great. studio movie grill. Oh, ew. I don't know why it lists as Cinema Chatham, though. Did you see that Wakanda Forever might not break 200? I did. For the weekend? Why? That's, I don't know. <laughs> That's not great, though. That's really terrible. I could see this movie having a mid-level... Uh, I mean, Marvel movies are on a, they're on a downswing right now. They're on a downswing. This will be this the most successful is, one of the po- of the like. It's trending to be the worst reviewed one since Eternals. Reviewed or re- or box office reviewed. Interesting. Really? Metacritic. I saw Metacritic was down to like sixty seven the other day. That that might bounce back once it's a general release. Yeah, I hear good movie though, right? It's okay. You've seen it. It's. It's slipping from my brain. It's the best one in forever, though I think Eternals might be a good movie. Okay. <laughs> Stuart <laughs> wants to end this podcast. I I, I really do want to end this podcast. <laughs> Stuart wants to go. Not home. this recording, this podcast. Yeah, no, I, I, picked, <laughs> I, wanna, I picked up which one. I want to end the fucking podcast. Well, then maybe we, yeah, we'll talk off mic. Stuart. You're never getting out of this. I'm gonna tag that bit. You're <laughs> I'm never. I'm going to splice getting that out of this. I'm gonna splice this audio recording and I'm gonna put it at our podcast series finale. You're never um, getting bum, out of this. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> okay. Any final thoughts on Paradise City before I close this out? No. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Fun. I mean, here's I just, uh, here's my final thought. I actually don't understand what like what the appeal of this is besides cashing in on whatever last star power those two guys have. I don't understand what the version of this that someone who would like this why they would want to see something like this. It's just very sad thinking about this and like two other movies are going to be Bruce Willis's last movies. It's very very sad. Like, I think about last movies an actor makes a lot before either their retirement or their demise. And I'm always, I'm brought back to two figures, Sean Connery and Sean Connery. Robin Williams. <laughs> Sean Connery. Correct if I'm wrong, Jeff Cole, but isn't... I mean, no, he did stuff after League of Extraordinary, Extraordinary No, that's Man. his last movie if you don't count Sir Billy. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, what about Sir Billy? Sir Billy. <laughs> I knew you if were going to fucking talk about Sir Billy. Sir Billy <laughs> I preempted Then it's Sir League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is Sean Connery's fucking last movie. But you, you know the story behind that, right? Uh, yes. Vaguely, remind me. He, he turned down The Matrix. No, he turned down Lord of the Rings. Sorry. He turned or down, was it The Matrix? I think he at some point he was talked about for The Matrix, but he turned down Lord of the Rings explicitly. He, he turns down Lord of the Rings because he reads the script and he's like, this is gobbledygook. <laughs> and then he's like, he reads the script and he's like, this is nonsense. This isn't going to be a hit. I don't want to attach myself to it. And obviously Fellowship is a massive hit. So he basically says, maybe I'm not a good sense of it. I should trust my agents who are younger. His agents tell him do league. He's like, sure. And then league is a huge flop. And he's just like, 
my time has passed. I'm done with movies. Like he's just like like his his status as a box office draw was done. He didn't have a good sense for scripts anymore. The industry left him behind and he he tapped out. I think that's a very sensible yeah. honestly, I don't think it's that sad. I think it's a, a, a sensible way to to go out. And then it happened to go out with a bad movie. But, but it was a then, bad movie that he headlined. But then I think about Robin Williams, who, if you don't count absolutely anything where he voices a dog, that would be Night at the Museum's Secret of the Tomb, which is not a good movie. But but it's got Robin Williams' best final line that he ever will ever that could ever possibly cap off his character. And it's right before the sun's about to come You've up. You've seen and he's this about, movie? Yes, because it's Robin Williams, and Robin Williams is my second father. Stuart has seen Night at the Museum three. Yes. I am not surprised at all. And it's it, it, folks who are not versed in Night at the Museum. He plays Teddy Roosevelt. I have seen sure. Night at the Museum one, and it's you know he just gets back to the museum in New York, and he talks to. And it's become a it's become a voice uh, splice trend on TikTok, where Ben Stiller says, "I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow." And Robin Williams says, how exciting. And then right before the sun comes up, Teddy Roosevelt, Robin Williams, he unsheathes his sword, puts goes into his wax pose that he's about he always goes to at the end of every night. And he says, Lawrence, the sun is rising. And then he freezes into his wax shape. And that's the last line spoken by Robin Williams. If you don't count Dennis the dog and absolutely anything. And I think it's that's fucking cute. beautiful. Can I, I think can it's beautiful. I spoil the end of bros for a second? Yeah, sure. Sure. Listeners, skip ahead if you want to miss out on the end and probably worst joke in Bros. Uh, the 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 last punchline of Bros is definitely that they open up a gay night of the museum wing in the gay museum that they're running, in which Ben Stiller and other famos show up as holograms dressed as like famous characters from gay history. It sucks. Um, Bros is bad. I'm sorry. Anyway, what's the best? Uh, uh, Robin Williams movie is it old World's dogs. Greatest Dad or is it Old Dogs? Uh, Robin Williams' best movie. Stuart World's is taking this very dogs. seriously. He is ignoring. I'm taking it very seriously. Base. I don't World's even know. Greatest Dad or Old Dogs? I don't know. Best role or best movie? Both. Okay, because best role it's Merrick Rook in uh, the Law and Order episode 2008 <laughs> Law and Order Special Victims Unit. He plays a fucking great. Okay, role. I, I could see that. And that. And then his best movie, um, I got to say it's a tie between Dead Poet Society and RV. Ew. <laughs> okay. Dead Poet Society fucking sucks. I'm sorry. Fuck you. Uh, World's Greatest Dad is like one Fuck of the best you, movies in 2009. That movie's a masterpiece. I adore that movie. I mean, he's also really good in Hook. Hook is an underrated movie. Hook fucking sucks donkey yeah, ass. No. Hook Stuart. is actually a secret Hook is like the worst Stuart. movie anyone's ever made, Hook except there are worse movies. Stuart, remember like a few weeks ago when I told you I have a take that I just don't think I can tell you? Okay, go ahead. My take is the Hook's Say pretty bad. No, Hook, is Hook actually... fucking is interminable. Hook is actually a secret masterpiece. That... Hook is fucking unwatchable. And Spielberg the knew that. Spielberg knew not that. Spielberg the worst Steven Spielberg movie is that Ready Player One is maybe the worst movie anyone's ever made. Well, I... Uh... I, I, I kind of like You're talking Ready... to the guys... I, don't, I don't love Ready Player One, but I think it's okay. You're talking to the guys who cover Battlefield Earth. I've never seen Battlefield Earth. Battlefield Earth has... Incomprehensible movie. 
a moral fortitude that is lacking from Ready Player One. An a evil moral movie. fortitude and Battlefield Earth is are two phrases that I would never thought I would hear. I guarantee you, Battlefield Earth is better than. I will fucking watch Battlefield Earth. Battle Bet. Ready, Bet. Pl- Ready Player Bet. One at least ends with Spielberg grabbing the camera and screaming at you to go outside. <laughs> that's that's pretty fun. <laughs> Can we talk about how Spielberg's quietly on a flop era? Quietly? Yeah. Yeah, quietly. Because West Side Story was also bad and The Fablements is going to suck. West Side Story, great movie. Fablements going to uh, be pretty He good. made the best movie anyone's ever made and then he lost the ability to make movies. What's the greatest movie? Then? The Post. I'm going to stop this recording right now. I'm going to stop. Oh, what, Thank I, you, folks, for I, listening to I the Travolting Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Yeah, go before he turns it off. Uh, uh, I you have can not check seen us out on our Instagram. Yet, but I have seen Armageddon Time. Pod. I was Steven with Spielberg. I would have changed returns. my name and fled for the border by now. TravoltingPod at gmail.com. You can find Jeff on Instagram uh, or Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. You can find me on Instagram at Stuart 85 Cole, oh, he actually has it all memorized. Last thing to plug before I shut off the fucking machine, you heathen. The Post is like one of the great movies of the past 10 years. And Stuart and I have fought this fight on this show. Join us next <laughs> week. I'm very pro Post. As we go back to the Fraser's Edge post, schedule. Post, Post, uh, Post, 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 Post. We're going to cover post, post. Brain Candy. Uh, am I right on oh, that? Oh, Kids in the Hall. Yeah, yeah kids I don't know who was in that. Kids he in the is. Hall, Brain Candy. Uh, oh, Brandon Frazier's next little role that we get to. It's going to be one of his next other... It's going to be the next in his trend of doing these small roles before we he hits another slam dunk with George of the Jungle. So thank you all for listening as we uh, travel uh, Stuart, back to I need to correct you. I need to correct you. I'm sorry. He does not, in fact, hit a slam dunk with George of the Jungle. He does, in fact, hit a tree. <laughs> 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 Thank you Cole all for listening. We'll see you He's next week. He's won this episode 500 <laughs> points. Goodbye. See you all next week. Thank you all for listening.